Welcome to the third episode of our second season of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. I'm your host, Amy Souter. These interviews provide hands-on tips and advice for living a healthy lifestyle through a diet full of fresh fruits and vegetables, plus movement and mindfulness. We delve into the why as well. My favorite question. This week, we talk about exotic fruit with an expert. We learn about the strangest, coolest, unusual fruits, where to get them, and why it matters to try unfamiliar foods. Let's get right to it. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So yeah, I've been following you on social media for a little while, and uh, we covered when you were leading a social media workshop. And, uh, and I know that you lead some New York City fruit tours and you um, are always doing TikToks and, and other things, showing different kinds of produce, especially lesser known exotic produce. And um, so can you kind of tell us what you do? Um, like, tell us a little bit more about, about yourself and how and also how you got into this in the first place. Sure. Um, So I guess a little bit more like background about me. Um, So my main career is actually nothing to do with fruit. Um, I work in higher education and like I do my master's in student personnel administration. And this is kind of like how I have a main career that like pays all my bills. Um, So I work at the Fashion Institute Fashion Institute of Technology in their residential life department. Um, And I'm like the associate director there, which if anybody knows anything about like higher ed res life, it's kind of a demanding job to say the least. Um, However, that's kind of where I've gotten all my uh, leadership development skills, um, facilitation skills, um, all those good things kind of came from this career, which is honestly helped me greatly as I started navigating into this world of produce. Um, and that that start kind of came, it's more of a passion, I guess. Um, I uh, became, became really interested in like specialty exotic produce when I like transitioned my diet to be more plant-based. Um, and I really wanted to eat more plants. Like I didn't want to eat processed food. I wanted to, the reason why I transitioned my diet was to be healthier. And I was like, I want to eat plants. Um, but I quickly got bored. I was like apples, oranges, like the basic fruits and vegetables. Like if you're eating that as your main diet, it gets kind of boring after a while. So that's what opened me up to say like, what else exists? What else is out there? Um, and I believe my first, I got into like the silk berry family. So like the rambutans, the lychees, those are a little bit like you saw them a little bit more commonly, I think in New York city, they sell them at a lot of those like fruit stands in New York city. And that was around 2012. Um, and then I would say in 2000, I think it's 14. That's when I tried my first mango scene and my life was changed. I call mango scene, my gateway fruit. I'm like, that's my gateway fruit. That was the fruit that when I tried it, I was like, I need to try every single fruit that exists in the world because mango seems taste better than every fruit we've ever had growing up and what else is out there so that began <laughs> the journey and that's kind of how I got into this whole like I guess industry now um, to the point where I've like partnered with multiple like branding fruit companies I have like farmer connections where like individual farmers will send me stuff and um, yeah and I got to do a whole presentation with equal exchange on like how to do social media marketing to get more people interested into your product into your stores and buying your fruit. So that's been exciting. <laughs> yeah. Where, where did you get this mangosteen that, that changed? Chinatown the NYC, Chinatown. Chinatown those, yeah. Like, 
that had that was where my beginning um like access came from was Chinatown. That's when I started really like I would just go there all the time. Um and that like prompted me to like learn more about like how do you buy them? What do you look for? How do you know if they're fresh? Um and that's kind of how the fruit tour started is because that was my main access and I know what it feels like to go there and not know anything and you don't want to spend your money on stuff that you don't even know if it's ripe you don't even know what it is so I started taking people there to start teaching them like this fruit is great you should buy it in this condition but you can literally walk to another fruit stand and I can show them a fruit that's not that great and you probably shouldn't purchase it and that's really helpful for people to make them more comfortable Mm -hmm. buying new fruits they never had before. I would love to take one of your tours. I mean, oh, come whenever. <laughs> <laughs> not too far from there, um, but with transportation, with trains and stuff. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that would be really cool. And now let's take a short break and have another interview on a different matter from Kristen Dinsmore, who talks with Potatoes USA the retailer series about how retailers can increase their profitability in the potato category. Let's hear it from them. Hello, this is Kristen Dinsmore with the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. And today I am here with Kayla Domi. Kayla is the Global Marketing Manager for Potatoes USA, which is the marketing and research board for over 2,000 potato farmers. It is so good to have you back, Kayla. Thank you for having me. So Kayla, I understand that Potatoes USA has recently completed a video series to help retailers increase the profitability of their potato categories. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? Absolutely. So Potatoes USA created a five-part video series to educate retail decision makers about everything from planting to harvest to optimal merchandising techniques. Each video is four minutes or less, so they're short, sweet, and to the point. There's just a lot that goes into getting potatoes on the shelf in grocery stores. And the more retailers know about the potato journey, nutrition, and usage, the better potato advocates they can be. And what can retail grocers learn about on these videos? Yeah, the first video of the series actually teaches retailers about growing, harvesting, and packaging. So much goes into the potato before it gets to the store. Two of our farmers show viewers the steps they go through to get potatoes to the market. And is there content that also helps retailers help their customers? Yeah, absolutely. So in the second video, the viewer is taken to the kitchen to find out the best ways to prepare each type of potato and what makes each one unique. While every potato can be cooked in any way, each type performs best with a certain cooking method. Helping customers understand what types of potatoes perform best with each cooking method can actually improve consumer satisfaction. For example, a red potato holds its shape very well, so it's really great to use in like something like a potato salad. Yeah, and what else should grocers know to help their customer with their potato buying decisions? There's so many decisions to make when you walk up to that pile of potatoes at the grocery store. Yeah, in the third video, we actually go into the store with a dietitian that gives us the rundown on the nutrient-dense spud and why those nutrients are important for our minds and our bodies. Potatoes are actually a nutritional powerhouse. One 5.3 ounce skin on potato provides the energy, potassium, and vitamin C the body uses for fuel. And did you actually know the same size potato has more potassium than a banana and three grams of high quality protein? 
Yes. My nutritionist, when I used to be on a very rigid workout schedule, always had us include a potato and do any of the videos cover topics that can have an immediate impact on potato sales for grocers? The last two videos actually focus on merchandising and we actually show retailers the best ways to store and handle those fresh potatoes, as well as how to carry the right assortment and then how to put them on the shelves correctly. So the right assortment is just so important for retailers. Uh, retailers who have performed best are carrying a variety of all types, including russet, red, yellow, white, petite, medley, fingerling, as well as purple potatoes. And then displays are the final key to potato sales. The video actually displays and focuses on the ways to put potatoes on the shelf and the amount of space, the fixtures and the signage all play an important role in sales growth. And how can retailers access these videos? That's a great question. So the videos will be shared directly with retail decision makers across the country in Potatoes USA's new grocery-focused newsletter. In addition to that, a media campaign with the Packer will highlight the videos starting this month. These videos will make an even bigger impact if others in the industry share them with their retail partners and incorporate them into their communications. We encourage you to watch them and to utilize each one. Go to potatoretailer.com to access them. Um, you can also reach out to me at Kayla at Potatoes USA with questions. Kayla, thank you so much for sharing all your insight and the news of these new videos with us today. Thank you. We look forward to showing retailers just how much care goes into the potatoes on grocery store shelves and how potatoes can bring even more value to retailers nationwide. Yes. This is Kristen Dinsmore, and thank you for joining us today on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much, Kristen and Potatoes USA, for giving us that insightful interview about the five-part video series, and that helps retailers sell their potato category, but also teaches us all about the journey of the potato from the field to the fork, basically, and the nutrition value of them and the uses of them. I think we can all benefit from knowing more about that. And now let's get back to our interview with Angela Scarfia. Probably helpful for our PMG and Packer audience too, because I think almost everyone can can learn more about produce, even if you're in the industry. Um, yeah. But for the general public, um, that would just, just for my own personal use, that would be fascinating because um, yeah. they've wandered some of those aisles. And even though I'm also pretty much a culinary adventurer <laughs> and I love trying things I've never tried before and, and uh, sharing about it. And um, so, but there's still, it can be intimidating when you just see something, anything unfamiliar is, mm -hmm. is intimidating to people in any kind of sense. <laughs> it is, that is very true. <laughs> <laughs> we could go off on a different tangent with that, but <laughs> um but I guess we're sticking to fruit for now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can go like, there's a, one of my recent videos I did for Sumo Citrus. I showed oh. people how to open an orange, one of their Sumos, but I, instead of the normal way, they Sumo tells you to open it from the top knot, which is a great way and an easy way to open it. Um, but I showed people like, if you open it from the bottom, you can actually hold the top knot and like eat it and protect your hands even more. Yeah. People were so freaked out. They're like, who bites <laughs> into an orange? I'm like, 
what i didn't even think people would be like freaked out by that they were I like saw, i've never i saw <laughs> that that reel of yours and i've never seen anyone eat an orange that way my entire <laughs> life yes <laughs> other people haven't either i mean i must say when i did do it i didn't think twice about it but when i started seeing the comments of people being like uh your people are literally calling me a serial killer and a psychopath because i ate an orange i bit into an orange they I'm were like, kidding, I'm right? serious. i swear to you literally if you go under that video and look at all the comments it's just people calling me a serial killer and psychopath because i bit into an orange and someone Probably even tried to i even clarified i was like why would you say that and they were like well it's because um serial serial killers and psychopaths think differently than the normal population and therefore because of that they are more oh. likely to be a psychopath and therefore you're a psychopath because no one else would bite into an orange that way that's what they said <laughs> oh that's dangerous wow. yeah but it's okay i took it as an opportunity to talk about uh the how that relates to actually white supremacy characteristics <laughs> and that there's only one right way to do one thing and that's you can't think there's only one right right way to eat an orange and it's you think that way then you're on a wrong mental path that you're not open to diversity and other experiences <laughs> yeah yeah so oh, yeah yeah i mean that's why i'm saying even just exploring exploring different kinds of fresh produce is a way to learn also about different cultures right and 110 percent mm-hmm. and ways of doing things different than what you're familiar with exactly which i think can be good for everyone mm-hmm. agreed uh, <laughs> so yeah what um what who goes on your tours so a lot of different people um i've even had groups reach out to do like uh company group tours for them like as like a staff development things um a lot of times it's just people who are generally interested in like learning about new fruits or uh like learning how to like i get a lot of people who are like i was interested in transitioning my diet so a lot of those people come um i've had people come and bring their kids which has been nice um because it's like a good experience for kids to go through um so yeah i get a variety of people who come and some people are like oh i was following you and i wanted to come on the tour so i get some of those as well um so it's just nice it's a normally a very like i never know who's going to show up like people buy tickets and then i i go and i wait and whoever's there is there so it's a very interesting like fun experience because it's a new group every time oh that is neat yeah i wonder (laughs) if when people are planning trips to new york city from from around the country or world they might already be following you or find out about you Mm -hmm. and they add that onto their planned activities Mm -hmm, for sure yeah i'm currently only promoting on i believe eventbrite um but i want to transition to do like an airbnb experience as well just because i do think um that would bring a whole different platform of people who are interested and that's normally what i look for in airbnb when i go to other countries so i'm like maybe this will be helpful a food tour in like new york city but it's fruit i think i would get definitely more interest that way as well yeah yeah Mm -hmm. um so what if you don't really like a fruit that you try? Yeah. So there's a few different things I keep in mind when that happens. Um, I think first thought is what's the ripeness level of this fruit? Um, I always try to think, uh, cause that's one of the things I've learned through my journey is that I might not like a fruit at a specific ripeness, but mm. um, maybe when it's more ripe or less ripe or like, 
Um, and in between, I might like it better. So that's one of the things I always keep in mind is, um, and especially when the fruits that I currently am not the biggest fan of, which is uh, certain durians, because I've had a few different flavors, um, they can have more of that musky undertone. Um, but I realized that's what ha- that's what happens when they get older, they start picking up more of that musky undertone. Um, uh. But when you have a ripe, ripe durian, which you don't normally get in New York City, because they normally come to us frozen, it's a different experience. Um, so I do think that's why durians are more popular in like Asian countries because they're getting them off the tree and eating them. So they're not experiencing the older, riper varieties that tend to get that musky smell. And you can pick it up too on jackfruits. Um, That whole like fruit family tends to get a muskier scent. Um, And a lot of people don't like the smell. And I think that's because they're riper. So I'll say that that's one of the first things I keep in mind. If I don't like a fruit, I always say, well, what was the ripeness level? Maybe I should try it when it's less ripe or more ripe, depending on the variety of fruit. Um, Next thing I keep in mind is, well, if I don't like this particular fruit and I've tried it at all the ripeness, um, doesn't mean I won't like another fruit from that family. Um, So that's Mm. one of the things I always try to also tell people to keep in mind. If you don't love oranges, that's fine. Try a tangelo. You might like a tangelo. Those those have like a, a different taste. They might have a more sour taste you'd be more into um and like vice versa you might not like a grapefruit but you might like a pumelo so like start transitioning the different types um to see what you know what flavor essence or tartness essence you prefer because each fruit normally has a cousin a sister a brother they always got another person in the family that has a different flavor that they bring to the table so i always tell people if you don't like oranges that's fine but don't shut yourself off from all the other citrus family related to that fruit that you might actually enjoy. So that's kind of my experience with it. I keep my mind open just because I've literally had like a fruit that I didn't like, but I tried it at different ripeness, loved it. Um, Or like, I don't like this particular variety, but I love this particular variety. So it's really important to keep your mind open because there's just so much out there. Yeah. I mean, I'm learning a lot from, from watching your posts and I just, (laughs) just saw the, the red kiwi Oh and, yeah. And I was very interested in trying that. I mean, I see the the golden and the yellow yeah. kiwis. Yeah. And, um, but I haven't in person haven't seen the this this red key before that was literally in my i've been doing this you know i've been doing this for a few years now i'd say at this point i'm at 10 years of being interested in fruit so i know i'm like the time has flown but (laughs) i think that's why i've learned so much but that red kiwi i've never been able to find it and i've been looking for it so the fact that i was able to find it on this new app i was like thrilled and that's how we get more access to these you know rare fruits is through these new companies that are trying to create more access to this stuff so finding those red kiwis was a win for this year. I'll go ahead and start in Savage. That was a win for me. Um, their flavor is amazing. They're, they are definitely less acidic, so they're more closer to the flavoring of a golden kiwi, but they do have like the slight taste of berry hint when you get to the red area, which is nice. So mm. if you ever find one, they're hard to find, but they are definitely worth trying. <laughs> what's some of the, what's like the most shocking or strange, like, is there any particular fruit that just <laughs> Maybe early on when you were newer at this, but uh I still get some weird ones now. I would say the weirdest one to this date that I'm still unsure about is noni fruit. Are you familiar with noni fruit? So they often like let it, I guess what's the best word to say? Um 
decompose kind of is the best way that I can say it. And they take the juice from it. Um, and noni juice is like extremely healthy for you. It's like has so many different compounds and nutrients and things in it that are really great for your body. But this fruit smells so bad. So the first time I've ever, I have ever had it, I went to um, Miami and I actually visited Miami fruit. They were so kind. They gave me this like huge box of different fruits and a part of in the box was Noni. I was like, Oh my God, Noni. I was excited. So (laughs) I was actually in Miami for a conference. So I think I took the box home and I had it in my hotel room and I went to the conference all day. And then I came back to my hotel room. I opened the door of my hotel room and it smelled like feet and and like, just smell like feet. <laughs> in the entire and I was like, what is that smell? It's this noni fruit getting riper. So I was like, oh, I guess I have to eat the fruit now. So I start like, and I have a video somewhere because I filmed myself. I like bite into it. It was one of the most like strangest, <laughs> unbearable tastes I've ever had in my entire life. But what was really weird is I, I stuck it out and I like chewed to the end and it had like this like undertone of pineapple and mango which was good so I was just in this very weird phase of it smells like feet I really don't like the beginning taste but I like the end taste and it was just an experience to say the least so was it too ripe it was just ripening so uh Mm. I don't think it was too ripe but it wasn't my hotel room all day so maybe that heat I don't know it was ripe I will say that but now, but other people tell me every, whenever I talk about Noni, other people are like, "Ah, oh, yes, thanks." They give me the same reaction. <laughs> Where so does it part come of me from? knows that it's just it's just kind of it's like one of those durians. It's like the, it does its own thing and it has its own scent, it has its own smell, but it brings its own benefits to the table. And you just gotta learn how to like eat it right. I think someone told me they did get one fresh off a tree that ripened on the tree and they enjoyed it that way. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll have to try it fresh off a tree because. Sitting in my hotel room, it was not a cute experience. <laughs> Where does it grow? Um, I do believe it grows in like, I would say, I'm, I'm going to say the zones, but I think it grows in like those like Miami tropical zone climates. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. definitely, I know a lot of people, I think some of my friends, my social media friends from Trinidad always say like, oh, they parents, that's, they do a lot of the leave it in the bottle, let it turn into the juice, use the juice to drink as like, a, um, they'll take shots of it as like um, medicine. morning. Yeah. Medicine, all that good stuff. So, cause it's very, it has so many great health benefits. Yeah. Cool. Did- do you ever find some of the stuff you open? Do you research ahead of time how what to do with it? Because mm-hmm, it's like the texture and the seeds, and you're like, what part are you supposed to eat? Yep. All the time. <laughs> yep. So because I'm obsessed, sometimes like I'll like just know about fruit because I've seen it before and I've done like watched videos about them. So sometimes when I find a fruit, I already know what to do with it because I'm like, okay. oh, this I've been looking for this forever. Um, so I definitely do that. But there's been certain fruits that I would find and I didn't know what they were when I saw them. And then I would have to do the back back research to say like, okay, first of all, I don't know what this is. What is it? And I'll try to find it, source it. Um, I ended up getting this plant app too, which helped me a lot sometimes where if I didn't know what a fruit was, I do, I scan it on the plant app and they'll start telling me what ah. like species it came from. That was extremely helpful. Um, Cause at least that gave me some of the names and then right. I would use those names to like search online. Right. I have found fruits though, that I wasn't able to find information about online, which has been challenging. Um, so a lot of the times if I ever get to that point, I'll just navigate it the best that I can based off of the knowledge of other fruits that I've had, which has been kind of helpful. So that's kind of how I navigate it. But yeah, normally there's a pre-research that I've already done and been sourcing and looking for the fruit. Or once I get the fruit, I'll do additional research to see like 
what else do I need to need, do, need to know about it? Um, how do I eat it properly? Or more importantly, how do I showcase the others, what they should look out for? Cause that's what people need to know to say the least. So, yeah. Yeah. What, what kind of comments do you, like, what do people want to know the most? Just how you eat in store or something or. Yeah. So I would say the most comments that I ever get, always the first one is where do I get it from? Like people always want to know, oh, how do I get access to that? Where do you find that? And like, I always have to, and it's hard because I live in New York, so I'm not shipping it to me. It's hard for me to tell people how to get it if I'm getting it just from my neighborhood or even worse, if I'm getting it from a farmer who sent it to me and it was like a special, like I'm trying to do a video on it and they're trying to support me to try new foods. Normally a direct to consumer sales. Yes. Yeah. So it's been harder. I will say in the last like a year or two, um, like certain grocery stores have really stepped up their specialty produce section. So um, sometimes I can say this is a common exotic fruit or specialty fruit. You could look in your local grocery store um, and potentially like if they I always say like Whole Foods has a decent um, specialty produce area. Um, Trader Joe's has really been stepping up the uh, access they bring to within their grocery stores, which has been good. Wegmans has a pretty decent like specialty produce produce section. Um, and a lot of other, just even like when I travel to different States, I'll look in their, you know, special grocery stores to see what they have. And people will be surprised. Like some stores have been carrying a lot of stuff. Um, like but the yeah, major supermarket chains, not just yeah. the ones that are catering to a specific culture or Yeah. So those are really great. A lot of the ones that cater, like a lot of the Asian growth, Asian grocery stores, they have a big, they're that's a lot of these fruits are Asian fruits. They come from like actually are developed in Asia or grow in their climate. So a a lot of Asians eat these growing up. So they make sure they, those are in their grocery stores because that's a part of their culture, which I love a lot of Caribbean grocery stores as well have a large portion of like, you know, specialty produce, um, sour sops. I find a lot when I go into Brooklyn, because that is very popular in the Caribbean. So you're potentially going to be best finding those there. So yeah. And even like some of just even the smaller chain stores, I found my first Monstera fruit, which by all means, I had no idea. Are you familiar with the Monstera fruit? Uh, no. Monstera delicios. I'm not sure if I'm saying it. Maybe. So you, are you familiar with the Monstera plant, the cheese, the cheese plant? That sounds like I should be. Okay. It's a very popular plant. When you see the plant there, they grow massive. Everyone loves them, but they actually fruit when they're in like, uh, what they're in their natural, like hot climate, they have fruit. So they're normally like an or- ornamental, but they'll fruit. <laughs> and that fruit is by far a very strange fruit. If you eat it too early, it's actually toxic for you. Oh. You have to wait till the scales actually fall off of the fruit. But when they do and you eat it, it is literally like, they call the fruit, like fruit salad. They, they call it like a fruit salad. Cause it tastes like like strawberries, mango, pineapple, all mixed in one is so good. It is so, so, so good. Needless to say, the first time I I found it was in a small grocery store. I was walking down the street in New York City and I found it in a small grocery store and it was a weird fruit. And I, of course, bought it. I didn't even know what it was. And I Googled it and I tried to figure it out. Um, So yeah, you, I always tell people just keep your eyes open. If you're interested in this, keep your eyes open when you're in a grocery store. If you see something you never had before, buy it, try it, Google it. That's how I got where to where I am today. Just by doing that. And yeah. A lot of, yeah. A lot of them do have uh, like ex- exotic or specialty produce sections, mm-hmm. you know, um, they do. and yeah. I was just in South Florida in a suburb, Tamarack, I think it is. And, uh, I was in a central American uh, grocery store oh. and, and their produce section was quite educational. Oh. 
I'm like, it sounds amazing. It sounds like somewhere I want to go to. <laughs> I did a lot of Googling Quince supermarket. It's called. Nice. Oh, okay. oh yeah. I'm going to have to put that on my list for sure. That's yeah. Great. It had a really good produce section. And then, and I, you know, besides that it had like each aisle was dedicated to like a different country or, or oh, area. Um, that sounds phenomenal. Uh, so it was pretty, I, I could have spent hours and hours in there, but I had to go. Uh, <laughs> I love that. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that was, I mean, South Florida in general is kind of big city spread out, but it was a suburb. It wasn't like Miami or, or Fort Lauderdale, you know, That's great. but although I can't really tell the difference between the suburbs of Fort Lauderdale and Fort Lauderdale, but um, I'm from there and I still can't tell. They all, it all just blurs together. <laughs> that is hilarious. They're, they're really similar. Um well, in Broward County, I don't know. Anyway, it is. <laughs> Never mind. Everything's not similar, but <laughs> but somewhat you can just go through city after city and like just on Federal Highway and you don't know the like you can't really tell. It's just strip malls. But um, so, OK, so basically for people who live in non big city areas, they I mean, there's still a chance and then more and more now there's mm-hmm. more of a chance just keep Absolutely. your eyes open within your regular supermarkets mm-hmm. or just farmers keep- markets. Mm-hmm. Farm- yeah. yeah. And uh, also look online, like the shipping of fruits have gotten much more accessible. Um, so just if people are really into it, like don't be afraid to consider buying online. I've, I've actually found really great fruit on Etsy, believe it or not. That's a huge Oh, let me put you on the Etsy. Etsy has a fantastic because you know they consider like grown fruit, I guess, a part of what they do. Artisanal, so home crafted. They made people sell fruits on there, and I found some. What did I get wow. from? I found some nice stuff on there, um, to say the least. So Etsy has a very unique. Um, I found a vendor actually. Funny story, just actually two weeks ago, I found a vendor who had African um, star fruit. Um, and they are very challenging to get fresh in the United States and they had it. And I found out they lived in Jersey and I was like, are you actually, how close are you in Jersey? Do you have a, like a store that I can come and grab these? Because I knew if they would ship to me, they wouldn't arrive ripe in the best state. So the person was so kind, messaged me back immediately. They're like, yes, you can come pick them up today. And I went and got African star apple from Jersey, which was amazing. So, yeah. So you'll make a special trip. Like how far, how long did it take you to get there? Um, well, I actually, so the good thing that day was my friend was on her way from Camden to come to see me in Brooklyn. So I asked her, I was like, on your way, can you like stop and pick these up? And she said, yes, it was my birthday weekend anyway. So she had to say yes. So she said, (laughs) yes. Literally the person was so nice and was like, great. My friend picked them up and brought them to me and that's how it worked. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. 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 But I, I travel for fruit to say the least. (laughs) I heard. Yeah. We'll work for food. We'll travel for food. (laughs) Never specifically fruit. (laughs) That is me in a nutshell. Literally. Literally me in a nutshell. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, why is it important for all of us to taste and learn about fresh produce we're not familiar with? Yes, I, I definitely think there's a few reasons. I think the first one is uh, our, the health of America is declining rapidly because we're eating more processed food than we're eating fresh food. And like, I think the fact that no one questions 
like how we eat Doritos. No one's like, that's GMO. I will post the fruit and people will be like, that's GMO. I'm like, no, half the stuff we eat is actually GMO. And you don't question that, but you will question a fruit. And if it has seeds or not, you question that, but we'll happily eat something in a wrapper. And I'm like, our mindset when it comes to food is, is, it's not where it needs to be. Um, and I think that's where I think it's so important for us to start reteaching us ourselves about our, our plants and our access and literally what we should be eating from the earth. Like we shouldn't be eating stuff that comes from a factory, 95% of our diet. And that's the reality for a lot of people in America. So for me, it's been important to one, expose myself to it because I also was, you know, eating diet that was mostly processed and I had to transition that and relearn how to like learn, relearn my body. And like, what is it telling me when I'm craving certain things? It's not telling me that I want a donut, (laughs) even though I think it is. It's telling me that I'm potentially lacking a a certain nutrient. And we forgot how to do that because we've forgotten how to eat. So that's my like number one reason for doing it is to encourage people to eat more plants because the more we start transitioning back to that type of diet, the more we'll be able to actually learn like our bodies again. And what, what is it saying when it's giving us a sign? Um, and that's important for us to, to rebuild our health back to where it needs to be. And I would definitely say the second reasoning that I go hard with promoting through is because I acknowledge that if no one knows about it, no one's going to want it. And if there's not a consumer demand for these fruits, companies aren't going to cater to it. But I do believe in the last couple of years, the reason why we've seen so much, so many more like uh, grocery stores adding them in is because the demand for these fruits are rising. People are actually buying them. People are actually interested in them. And because of that, I'm realizing it's so important for me to continuously push this message because more people will be interested. The more people we get interested, the more the produce side will start saying, let's start, let's start figuring out how do we grow these fruits and make them available to the public. Let's, you know, fruits like the pine berries, which are now popular and actually available commercially at one point weren't, it was, wasn't worth it for profit wise, but because people are so much more interested in it, it's not only in restaurants anymore. You can get it from the grocery store and eat it in your house on your yeah. own. We need to keep doing that with all these other fruits and keeping, getting them all more popular, getting more people more interested in the other varieties. So those are the two main reasons why I do, I do this. That's exciting. Um, yeah. So tell everyone, or is there anything else you would like to say that you think is important? Uh, I think just only because my recent experience of people trying to shun the different fruits that I share just out of like lack of knowledge is um, to really be open about trying new things and allowing others to explore that even if you aren't interested in it. I think, you know, trying to stop this from happening because you just don't actually understand how fruits are grown is, is not cool. Like I've been having so many people being like, who would eat something that's hybrid? And I'm like, literally all bananas are hybrid. Like there's <laughs> not a banana that we have access to. That's not a hybrid. And it's like the fact that people would comment that under a sumo citrus, but not acknowledge that the bananas they've been eating since they were born are actually they're actually the same type of like nature process. That's how they exist. And people don't understand it. So just really getting people to the point where it's okay that you don't understand it. We weren't taught this growing up, but don't stop others or yourself from exploring this access to health that we have. Um, So that's kind of my last statement that I want to say. (laughs) (laughs) Tell everyone how to find you on social media or website or other ways. 
everything is literally Angela Scarfia at Angela Scarfia. My email is info at Angela Scarfia. My website, I'm under a rebranding process, but that is just AngelaScarfia.com. So yeah, that's literally just my name. Everything is Angela Scarfia. <laughs> Great. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. I would really love to try that red kiwi fruit and go on that tour in Chinatown. Anyway, if you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button and rate us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts and enjoy our earlier episodes. Last week, we talked with Amanda Kiefer of Healthy Family Project on how to shop for and cook budget-friendly family meals filled with fresh produce. And the week before, we featured Karen Nardatza, CEO of Moxie Marketing, about how to use social media for our businesses wisely. If you work in the fresh produce industry, find us on our websites, producemarketguide.com and thepacker.com. We're also active on social media, Look us up on LinkedIn and on Instagram, we're at ProduceMKTGuide and then Packer News. You can find more ways to follow us in our show notes, plus some helpful links. And we'll have more of these great healthy lifestyle conversations about every week. Thank you so much for your support. I hope you learned something useful, inspirational, and fun. Talk to you next time.